What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 178th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. My name is SBJ, and with me today, I have Travis. I've actually been uh, bedridden the last few days. I, th- I think I've contracted Pokeris. Um, the doctor says that the only cure is just to wait until it's not contagious anymore. Um, stinks because I can't really go out and do anything, but... Uh, the plus side is I'm getting really ripped really fast. <laughs> oh, Pokerus. I have a couple Pokemon with it. It's such a strange concept to include in the game, especially with the infrequency that it happens, but then also the ubiquity of it if you trade with people because it's such a rare thing to just happen on its own, but then... Everyone has it because everybody trades and it just spreads like that. It's a weird, it's a cool concept. I don't know. It is, isn't it? If uh, if a Pokemon's in your with it is in your box, it doesn't go away. Right. So what happens is we're getting getting deep into the mechanics right away on this show. <laughs> um, if you have a Pokemon with Pokerus in your party at midnight, like once it hits midnight, or maybe it's twelve oh one or something. Like when it carries over to the next day, then the Pokerus stops being contagious. And so what that means is it won't spread to the other Pokemon in your party. Instead, it will retain the benefit of Pokerus, namely doubling EVs of that Pokemon that, that it receives. Uh, not doubling the maximum, but doubling the, the amount it gets every battle. Um, but if you leave it in the box, then nothing happens at midnight. So what you do is you, as long as you have one Pokemon with Pokerus and you don't leave it in your party... And you don't leave the game on after midnight. After midnight! Then <laughs> you'll be fine. And I, and I guess uh, the more basic explanation for listeners who might not be familiar, Pokerus is a thing that happens very rarely in the game where randomly your Pokemon could contract Pokerus and then you go to the uh, Poke Center and then, and then they say, uh, oh, it looks like one of your pokemon has contracted a disease don't worry it's not bad it's good actually (laughs) and something like that and um and it and if it's in your party with other pokemon it'll start infecting the pokemon next to it so that they also um get double effort values when they defeat an opponent which essentially just means that they will get stronger faster in layman's terms um pokeris it's cool it happens very rarely but you can trade it with your friends so it's actually sort of easy to get your hands on it if you have a friend with it. There it is. We broke the rules of talking about Pokemon too early <laughs> on our own Pokemon show. Why set a rule if you're not going to break it? That's right. Uh, so it's, it's just uh, just Travis and I. Will went to the Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions at the Wolf Trap Theater last night. And uh, so when he's on the next episode, which will probably be next week, he'll talk all about that. And... Uh, we have some more tour dates in case you haven't gone to Pokemon Symphonic Evolutions in the news part. I'm supposed to have a Kickstarter guest, but they uh, they had to cancel last minute, so no big deal. Just Travis and I, old school. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's still weird of me to think that that there can be an old school vibe to this show that I was on. Yeah, I, I still feel like I'm new to this show in some sense. <laughs> I don't know, even though I've been with it for the vast majority of its existence, just because I was a, like a super fan for Yeah, it's funny how you, you just kind of messaged me and was like, can I be on the show? And that was so early on. Yeah. 
And I was like, yeah, we're not popular enough to like have restrictions of who should be on. <laughs> but it worked so out. into this show. And then I got on and I couldn't care less about it anymore. <laughs> Speaking about my neighbors are just dropping heavy things above me. So I apologize for that sound that you're probably going to keep hearing. No, I don't, I don't hear anything. At least your yeah. levels aren't freaking out. <laughs> um, speaking of old school Pokemon podcast It's Super Effective Has been around for almost five years It's unbelievable uh, Five year anniversary uh, We're celebrating a little early I think I think the podcast first debuted on July 28th And then the website appeared on like August 2nd Or vice versa I could be mixing the two up uh, But I will be at Gen Con at the end of um, this July uh, so won't be able to record during that. So this weekend, this coming weekend, we're recording this on July 19th. You'll probably be listening to it on July 20th. Um, but on July 25th, which is a Saturday, I think it's a Saturday. Am I getting my dates right? Let me see. Uh, July 25th is indeed a Saturday. Okay, cool. So July 25th, we're going to be doing a live stream on Twitch. Uh, we won't be using the uh, Pokemon Podcast Twitch channel. Uh, it, it it exists and nothing has been done with it yet. Hopefully that's going to change after um, I get back from Gen Con. But uh, we're going to be partnering with Micah the Brave. He's He's been on episodes earlier, Micah. Um, he streams Twitch like five nights a week and he actually lives in Milwaukee and he has a complete setup and a green screen and he pretty much has everything good to go. So it was very convenient for me to be like, hey, let's do something together. On top of that, it kind of piggybacks off that he will be drawing all 720 Pokemon on July 25th on his live stream. We're going to limit it to like a minute to two minutes per Pokemon so we can get through them all in a day. We've averaged it's going to be about to 12 to 14 hours long. And so we would like uh, everyone who listens to the show to be there. Uh, and share that with other people and kind of make it a big event. Um, I will be there with Micah. Micah will be drawing, of course, the entire day, and I will be chatting with the fans, uh, both via chat and uh, via the stream. And we will be giving away some Pokemon Amiibos and some shirts and some stickers and some keychains. We have a bunch of giveaways um, as well as some other stuff planned. So if your Saturday is not busy, or if you have at least an hour or two on your Saturday, or maybe even your whole Saturday free, you can watch Pokemon being drawn. At what point through the Pokedex do you think that the quality of the drawings are just going to die? <laughs> <laughs> like, how many do you think he's going to get through with, you know, shading and, like, immaculate lighting? <laughs> and then he gets to, I don't know, like... Yanma, and he's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it just draw a stick with a line in the middle of it. Call it good. <laughs> well, I, I figure like there will be Pokemon that will take uh, longer, probably like Charizard or something like that. And then mm. there are Pokemon like Voltorb and Coughing, which is kind of like 20 seconds. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Does he, is he doing all the Megas too? Um, I don't know. I don't think we talked about Megas. We only planned it out for the 720. Yeah. That would be a lot. I, I guess it depends on how much time we have. I, I mean, I said yeah. 12 or 14 hours, but that's with a couple breaks. But I don't know if breaks will run longer or, sure. or not. So we'll kind of see how it goes. It'll be fun regardless. 
So uh, we're planning on starting that at noon Central Time on July 25th, and uh, it should end around uh, 2 to 3 a.m. on July 26th. So my plan is to actually record a podcast earlier in the week to get it ready for Sunday so we don't miss a podcast, but we'll work out that details when we get there. Uh, Before we jump into some Pokemon news, Travis, how was your weekend? Pretty good. Um... Just yesterday, uh, my girlfriend flew in. Uh, she lives in Canada, so I don't get to see her too often. Uh, I don't have coffee here, and she's a bit of a coffee addict, so she's just asleep right now. <laughs> because I don't have coffee here. And I guess that's what happens. But um, You have like a Starbucks in walking distance? I don't think so. I think it's just going to be a bit of a detox <laughs> sort of thing. Because <laughs> I don't drink. I've never had coffee. You've never had it? No, I, I, and I plan to keep it. Because I, because I know I'll just end up like that sleeping mass in my other room, right? Like, <laughs> I'll just end up like that. It's a cautionary tale. Wait, do you drink, like, anything with caffeine, like soda or... So here's an example. Um, her flight was delayed um, yesterday, and luckily her connecting flight, her, the second flight was also delayed, so she was able to to make the second one. But we didn't know that at the time, so I thought it was going to be super, super late that she got in. And so I had just a Coke, just just a Coca-Cola. And man, I was jumping all over the place. I cannot stand still if I have – it's probably placebo effect, right? Like, or, well, I mean not placebo because <laughs> it is caffeine, but it's probably more psychological than it is sure. physical. But um, even just having a Coke and I'll be jittery that whole night. So I – I know that if I – it's like a superpower I have, right? Because anytime I actually need to stay up, I just have the tiniest bit of caffeine and I can do it. Hmm. But if I start drinking coffee and then I get desensitized to it, it grows my superpower. I'm like <laughs> – I guess that's fair. Coffee is my kryptonite. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean when I went on my water kick and I stopped drinking soda for a month, I was definitely like – so so before rewind before I went on my water kick I could drink like a Red Bull like at 11 p.m. and then just go right to bed. Yeah. And then Ugh, when I switched over to terrible. water when I switched over to water I was like really super tired in the morning and not that I usually drank soda in the morning I usually would drink like orange juice or milk or or something and then around lunch is when I would have my first soda but man I was so tired after like a week of no soda that it was like Wow. Huh, I must have just been drinking so much prior that it yeah. didn't really matter. Wow. So are you still on water time? Are you still drinking water mostly? Yeah, yeah. So I went from drinking really no water to... Cool. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> uh, I can usually drink one to two uh, bottles of water a day now. Mm-hmm. Which kind of eliminates a lot of soda. So I usually will only have a soda at lunch because I like I like carbonation and flavor with mm-hmm. lunch, and then usually one at dinner. But I try to like if I'm like now my mindset is um, if I'm gonna drink a can of soda, I'm gonna have to like at least drink a bottle of water to match it. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was just like four to five cans of soda a day. Ugh. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. Moving in the right direction, healthy living. So, if healthy living, so if you're if 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 you're somebody who doesn't drink any water, which used to be me, after like a like it was probably like a week and a half, it was probably like ten to eleven days where 
I finally like got adjusted to being like okay with drinking water and mm. you get to at least at least in my mind I was like well I can either have water which I don't really like the taste of or I'll just have a can of soda and I'll, of course I'll take a can of soda but then after like 11 days of only water it was like almost refreshing to be like oh I'm just gonna have a bottle of water mm-hmm. you too can drop soda huh cool anything else exciting or just the I mean it's yeah, I mean, my I saw my parents yesterday. What did we do? They, uh, my dad bought a door that he's going to turn into a table because I've been living in this apartment for, I guess, a month now, and I don't have a table. So, and my dad's on this sort of uh, like a coffee table or like a kitchen table, like a dining room table. Okay, <laughs> my dad's on this sort of refurbishing refurbishing repurposing kick so he bought an old door <laughs> i mean it's cool i mean it's gonna be great but but i don't know it's just cool that's pretty sweet yeah so i'm waiting on that i saw the door yesterday so that was the <laughs> other thing i did for my weekend fair fair it's a good door that will n- no longer be a good be a door, door. When, when he's done with it it used to be a door it'll be a great table it's a good story that you'll be able to tell your kids my dad bought this door. You're 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 eating off a door right now. You might not know it's a door, but it is. I feel like every time I record, my neighbor likes to mow his lawn. So I don't know if you guys can hear that, but I certainly cannot. Okay, good. I have my frequency pick up pretty low. Uh, I discovered um, a game called Rocket League this past week. Yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I've heard people are really digging it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, obviously, a big PlayStation 4 person here. Um, I don't play a lot of computer games. I don't play almost any. So, PlayStation does this PlayStation Plus membership thing where you get three free games a month. So, I always download them all and then never play them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because they can't be that good if they're free. Yeah. Uh, so, I downloaded Rocket League. Didn't think anything of it. Um, was listening to the Giant Bomb podcast and they were raving about how good it was. And I was like, oh, that's okay. I got that. I got that game. Maybe I'll check it out. And then some of my friends over at The Verge were also talking about Rocket League. And I was like, well, that's that's crazy because like, they usually don't rave about video games. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm like, okay, so two people have referenced it. And then I saw the Giant Bomb was doing like a Let's Play of it. And so I watched that and I was like, wow, this game looks really cool. So I ended up playing it and immediately fell in love with it. And it was like the first night in years that I stayed up till 3 a.m. playing a game. It's really good. For those of that you don't that don't know what it is, it is car soccer. It, yeah, that's the best way to describe it. You're like a little RC car, um, and you can you can your car can jump and it can boost. And if you jump and boost at the same time, you can kind of fly a little bit because of your momentum. Um, and you're in this big arena and it's usually three versus three and there's like a giant ball that's kind of bigger than your car and you're really just hitting it into your opponent's goal. And it's, it's crazy fun. And I think what makes it really fun is how well it controls. It controls very well and it feels really good. And like, it's definitely a game that's super easy to pick up and play, but like, I'm like trying to get better at it and I'm struggling with that. So that's a little frustrating, but What's really cool is it can you can cross play with it. So if you have it on PC, you can play it with people on PS4 or vice versa. There's an update coming to make sure that like so right now it's just kind of random if you play with a, a PC person, but they're gonna do an update where like you can 
make a lobby and then the PC people can join PS4 lobbies or vice versa. So it's even easier to play. But it's $20 on Steam um, and it's free on PlayStation 4 right now. So uh, that's my recommendation is go get Rocket League because it's it's really fun. It's really cool. Car soccer. That's what it is. <laughs> that, that is what it is. Uh, let's dive into some Pokemon news now that we got uh, table doors and car soccer out of the way. Huh. <laughs> uh, first bit of news, I mentioned earlier that uh, Will went to the Wolf Trap Theater for the Pokemon Symphonica Evolutions uh, concert. If you haven't gone, July 22nd, they will be in Vancouver, Canada. And July 25th and 26th, they will be in Houston, Texas. I believe the 25th show is a nighttime show, and the 26th is like an afternoon show, because that's on a Sunday. Um, And then they're going to take a break for about two to three weeks, and then they will be back in Holmdale, New Jersey. I think I said that right. That's going to be August 20th, and then August 22nd in Boston. And then finally, uh, August 28th in Toronto, Canada. And August 30th in Montreal, Canada. They're really jumping around. I mean, not the last few, but just going from uh, Vancouver all the way down to Houston or whatever. Yeah. It seems like there's probably a different trajectory that would make it so you didn't have to. I guess in the age of airplanes, it doesn't really make too much of a difference. Yeah. I wonder if like that was like a reschedule or that was the only date they yeah. could get at said theater. So if you uh, are in the area and you haven't gone, I would strongly recommend it. And uh, we'll get Will's impressions of, I believe it was his second time going, um, next time he's on. And you've uh, gone once, right? I went twice. Oh, okay. I went back to back with the Milwaukee show and then the Chicago show. Oh, right. Not really that exciting news, but Pokemon Company International launched a survey using SurveyMonkey asking about uh, people's experiences with Pokemon. It is a 22-question survey uh, that they posted through their social media. It was mostly asking about merchandise, mm. merchandise-type questions. There was, a, there was a question that asked what people's favorite legendary Pokemon was, but that, that like, question didn't include Deoxys, which was kind of weird. Hmm. And then it was like asking like who you would want to see in a shirt, and then they had a bunch of Pokemon, and then I think they had like who did you want to see as a plush. Mm. Uh, so if you want to take that survey and you want to provide your feedback, you can either do that on look just look at their Twitter or their Facebook, or there's an article on Bulbapedia, the Bulba News section that has a link to the survey as well. Or just call Satoshi Tajiri's home number and <laughs> just say what you think. Just let him know what's up. Mm-hmm. At the um, the there's apparently a new Pokemon at the end of the new movie that uh, appeared in Japan. Yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, we kind of touched on it last week uh, because there was a scan in Korokora, but right. Somebody did a very bad bad sketch that you can kind of <laughs> see uh, again on Bulbapedia. Uh, I'll just read the article here during the teaser for the next movie that aired at the end of uh, this year's current movie. A New Pokemon appeared due to only being shown in theaters. No images of the Pokemon are available online, but some fans have produced sketches. Uh, See sketch below. Uh, The apparent new Pokemon is described as small and light green and is not resembling any current known Pokemon. In the teaser, the Pokemon XY movie logo is shown. The creature emerges from the O in Pokemon and then poses before the logo. 
the screen then changes to an image of the large unknown creature shown in Korokora. Uh, both Victini and Trevident were also originally shown in said teasers prior in the past. Is it this sort of uh, little circular thing with a little, like a little snout and a little tail? I yeah, it kind of looks like things. a very simplified shepherd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cute. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm pretty sure they're saying that the the sketch is not the same as the giant creature that was in the scan. Mm-hmm. But people were saying that the the scan that was in Korokoro was like a different form of Zygarde. Zygarde. Oh, okay. So nothing surprising there. I would imagine that. Well, we still haven't gotten that uh, volcano Pokemon yet either. Volcanion, yeah. I would assume if there's a new Pokemon game coming next year that obviously this would be like the Victini of this game. What if they just never... Have they seriously still not released Volcanion? I don't think so. I think, I think Hoopa right. yeah. was the last one. And I, isn't Hoopa's Pokedex number 720? I think so, yeah. And then I would assume Volcania would probably be 721. Mm-hmm. What if they just never release Volcanion and they're just like, look, if you want to dig into the data and find out what <laughs> other Pokemon are there, you're not getting them. They just yeah. punish us for looking at the game. Yeah. And it's so kind of frustrating this little, those... little, little green fart that everyone's <laughs> sketching. It's frustrating that those like surprises are ruined. Yep. I feel like there's a, a better way to release Pokemon, especially with today's technology. Yeah. Uh, Pokin Tournament has been released in Japan. There are a couple videos of some gameplay. I watched one of them. It actually, so I was kind of expecting like a like a two D fighter, like Mortal Kombat or yeah, but it's not. It's more of oh, like okay. a three D, like Dead or Alive. I'm and I would assume oh, okay. Tekken is also the kind of the same where it kind of moves. Mm-hmm. I'm like moving my hands like left and right, but obviously you guys can't see that. Huh. Um, there's a fight of Charizard and Pikachu fighting each other. Um, what I'm watching like, is Gardevoir and Pikachu. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, there's like a little Smash Brothers like shield that they put up. Mm-hmm. I would assume that's like protect or something. Uh, let's see here. So uh, currently there are nine characters you can play as. We'll go over them one more time for you guys: Lucario, Machamp, Suicune, Gardevoir, Pikachu, Gengar, Weavile, Charizard. And Blaziken has been announced uh, that will be added to the roster in August. There are also assist characters that can be chosen. Uh, Amoga, Fennekin, Snivy, Frogadier, Eevee, Lapras, Whimsicott, and Jirachi are all confirmed as support characters. Do you know how that that works in in fighting games, Steve? Are you familiar? Um, I'm not familiar with how it works. Uh, with Pokin, I did see in the Charizard video that Charizard had an option to pick between Lapras or Snivy as an assist before the match mm-hmm. started, and then he, the person picked Snivy, but I didn't watch enough of the video to see Snivy do anything. It sort of just adds... It adds, like, another move to your, to your arsenal, I suppose, depending on which support Pokemon you choose, and they're generally, like... I mean, basing it off like other fighting games, um, generally those types of like support characters end up being like pretty powerful moves. I think 
think the game I'm thinking of that has it is those uh, Marvel versus Capcom. I think in addition to picking your your little roster of characters, you also pick little support ones to sort of augment your abilities. And so, like maybe for instance, Charizard has has no real good like like long range move or whatever. So then you would pick a support character that has it. So every once in a while, you could do that i don't know much about fighting games because i'm terrible at them but in <laughs> games that have like support characters like that that's how i understand they they work i would assume that i mean i could be completely wrong but it made it seem like weaknesses and resistances kind of matter and that's why oh, that's the, cool that's why charizard didn't pick lapras because he was against yeah. the pikachu huh i mean maybe they slightly matter or not um like I said, I could be wrong, but the the game looks cool. Uh, still no word if that is coming to America or coming to any consoles or anything like that. Um, it's been out for four or five days now, so I would assume that the longer it's been out, the more information we would get. I was actually kind of astonished by how little information there still is for the game actually being out. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of uh, all the news we have for the week. Uh, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break and then um, we're going to talk a little bit about Iwata and uh, his influence on Pokemon and everything he's done up to this point. So uh, we'll be back with that. And then following that, we have, of course, our item and Pokemon of the week as well. So we will be right back. This episode of It's Super Effective is brought to you by Laser Time. Laser Time is a pop culture podcast that covers a variety of subjects such as bad accents in films, shame songs, Simpsons trivia, and many more. They also have sister shows covering wrestling called Cheap Popcast, comics called Cape Crisis, and video game music, VG Empire, which dedicated a whole month of music to Pokemon. So head over to lasertimepodcast.com to check out the Laser Time podcast and all the other podcasts there. So many podcasts to listen to on lasertimepodcast.com. And we are back from a break. Uh, we are going to touch on Iwata. Uh, of course, the sad news of him passing at the age of 55. I believe it was 55. Sounds right. That's right. Uh, so uh, for those maybe of you that don't know, Iwata was the president and CEO of Nintendo Japan. He did a lot of stuff prior to that, um, especially having a pretty big influence on the Pokemon series. So that's what we're kind of going to touch on today. Uh, for those of you that didn't know, uh, Iwata actually served on the board of Creatures, Inc., which was uh, one of the companies affiliated with the development of both the Pokemon games and the merchandise. Kind of like when you see the like game starts up, you usually see Game Freak, mm-hmm. Pokemon Company, and then Creatures. Uh, so we'll start with the original titles. He helped with the local localization of Pokemon Red and Blue for overseas. And so he was the one that figured out how it could be localized to appeal to the United States audience. And so that was obviously probably a pretty big deal. Uh, right. <laughs> because if you think about it, like at that point in time, Pokemon would probably have been a bit of a hard sell, not to kids, because I mean, obviously kids ate it up, but um, 
but just like convincing like a localization team like you know this will be a something that will be very popular and like convincing uh like Nintendo reps over here that you know this is something we should try when there's nothing there's been nothing like that in the excuse me in the US market prior to that like that's a pretty big uh task yeah on top of that like led obviously into advertisement and promoting and merchandise mhm and so it all kind of obviously we were most of us were there when that happened and the snowball effect of Pokemon becoming bigger than most things during ninety eight and ninety nine. I remember I had like a Pikachu yo yo at one point because Yeah. Any simple toy item you wanted, there was a Pokemon version of it. Did you have that weird, weird uh, well so there is the so okay, so there is the Pokemon board game that everybody Yeah, but Master like Quest. Pokemon. Master Quest, which I did not have. I never played Master Quest. I had a different, I wouldn't even call it a board game. It it had those, it was like a scratch-off game. So think of like scratch cards for like lottery or whatever. Scratch mm-hmm. cards, that same sort of thing. And you would like scratch off and like see how much, I think you had to like see how much damage a move did or something. And you could like keep track of your, it was weird. And I've never met anyone who, else has ever played it but they yeah there all there was a lot of merchandise at that period because pokemon was i mean pokemon is still big but it was much more uh much much closer to the surface of the zeitgeist i guess you'd say yeah. so um so they made pokemon everything and even whatever that was that i played and is somewhere buried away in my parents storage room yeah i didn't i i've never heard of that i had like a pokemon it was like an adventure card game where mm-hmm. it was like trying to tell the story, but it was also like two players where like it was oh. pretty much like the anime, but in card story Weird. form and I've never seen anyone else have it or know what I'm talking about. Weird. But I remember it clear as day. Yeah. They made a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Iwata's uh, first major, major contribution programming wise was uh, programming Pokemon Stadium for the Nintendo 64. Obviously, he did the localization for Red and Blue, but that was kind of after the fact that it was already programmed and everything. So he... uh, So in order to make the uh, Pokemon Stadium work, it needed, obviously, the same battle stuff and um, formulas that were found in Red, Green, and Blue. So he was able to get all the battle stuff and um, calculations to work uh, in one week. (laughs) And he didn't do it with any documents. He actually looked at all the code that was available in the Game Boy and in those games, and he recoded it and converted it over into the Nintendo 64 code. Wow. At what point... So do we know what his position was at this point? Because I know when he was working on stuff like Super Smash Brothers Melee that he was already the wasn't he like already the president at the point where he sort of saved that game's life <laughs> yeah i think i think so yeah i think he was the president and then during just the very first smash brothers he was just mm-hmm. the president of hal oh right right and then during melee he was the president of nintendo okay. no no he was he was right under the president Oh, okay. Because that was still GameCube time. Let's see here. So, 
Sorry, I'm trying to skim an article to give you guys the facts. Uh, one of the most amazing things that Iwata I did was uh, when Pokemon Gold and Silver came out. This is probably the one that most uh, articles touched on. You've probably heard before. Uh, so original, the original development of Gold and Silver included to only have the Johto region. Um, and Iwata's idea was to have more content in that game. He wanted to compress Kanto to be able to fit, but uh, the original red and blue and green, the the game world and everything in the game took up the entire cartridge, so there was no room after that. So Iwata was able to not only compress Kanto to be able to fit into the same cartridge as Johto, he helped obviously compress Johto so both games would be able to fit on one. And from what I understand, he made the compression thing. Like he, like that wasn't that method of compression wasn't mm-hmm. in existence before he did it. Something like that, or or maybe hadn't been used on the Game Boy right. or something yeah. like that. Just yeah. So if it wasn't for him, uh, Gold and Silver would just have Johto, which is really awesome because that that's one of the most memorable memorable things about Gold and Silver is that. Um, and what makes that experience really, really fun, one of the things that makes it really fun is that the game is paced so well where you, you finish Chodo and you feel like you've really accomplished something. And then when you go to Kanto, you sort of feel like, you know, I'm already, I'm already a champion and I'm just sort of bringing my expertise to this new, to this new land, you know, like the, the sort of feeling isn't really in any of the other games, but I like that sort of extended, uh, because the other, and all the other games, um, as you're getting your eight badges, the the sort of feel is that you're like proving yourself. Mm-hmm. But with gold and silver, you've already done that because you've already beaten the the champion. You've already become the champion. So, and uh, going to to Kanto, it, it's sort of a different feel where it's like you almost feel like you're um, spreading your fame as opposed to to like proving yourself originally, which is a different feel. Yeah. Yeah, so uh obviously uh so after Gold and Silver he was obviously in charge of Nintendo at that point. So it wasn't working directly on Pokemon titles. But as Travis mentioned, he helped uh code for both Smash Brothers, the first two. Obviously he was the president and CEO during the time of the Wii and Nintendo DS release, and then following the three DS and the Wii U. And he was the first president of Nintendo that wasn't a member of I forget the the family name, but there's a there's a family that all the previous presidents were a part of, yes. and he's the first president that wasn't a member of that family, which is just another interesting tidbit. Obviously, uh, he was the Kirby guy. Um, he also did a lot of work on Earthbound. I believe he was the one that kind of recoded all of Earthbound to make it work. Well, so for clarification on Kirby, so that that game was uh, so Kirby was created by. Um, Gosh, I'm drawing a blank, but the Smash Bros. creator, um, uh, yeah, Masahiro Sakurai created Kirby as well, from what I understand. But but Iwata had was very integral to the development of the first Kirby game. I don't, but I think Sakurai made the character. Uh, the Nintendo family was uh, Yamamuchi, Yamauchi. Mm-hmm. That was the family that ran Nintendo until. Iwata being the first non-family member took over. 
big, big influences on not only Nintendo, but the entire gaming community. And for us and our listeners, the Pokemon community. So, yeah. And it always, it, it, what I like about um, Nintendo, especially under his leadership, is that even though, I mean, the, the whole change in marketing strategy towards the Nintendo Direct um, model, as opposed to just having one giant E3 press conference and then hardly really announcing anything ever after that, this, this idea that the Iwata would come on in all of these Nintendo Directs and, you know, be silly sometimes or be a Muppet <laughs> sometimes or, um, you know, with, with other folks like uh, Reggie and Bill Trennan, um, it, uh, they certainly knew how to build a relationship with the fan base. And I realize that's a marketing strategy too, right? But, um, but it, was, it was a nice touch and I certainly feel like a lot it was a very, very large part of that. He must have been. Yes, I agree. I agree. transition from that mm-hmm. uh, but we did have some emails about mega evolutions that we could probably read before we move on to our final segment yeah sure uh, let's see here we have a couple uh, so before we read these emails if you have any uh, fond memories of Nintendo uh, and Iwata and Pokemon or anything like that uh, we can read those for next week. So you can send those requests into sbj at pcamoncast.com or just go over to pokemonpodcast.com and hit the little contact button. You can fill out a form and uh, we can uh, we can read those out because obviously that was a big part of uh, everyone in the show and everything. Um, this email is from Anthony H., uh, love the podcast. Been listening for a couple months now. Went back and listened to all the episodes to make time pass during work. The three Pokemon I'd like to see get <laughs> Mega Evolutions. Oh yeah, our question last week were what Pokemon would you want to see get Mega Evolutions? Are Arcanine, Nidoking, and Melodic. I don't want to get into the details about abilities and stuff, but I definitely feel that those three are deserving of Mega Forms. Keep up the good work. Mega Melodic, I wouldn't have wouldn't have thought of for for a candidate for a mega evolution but i but i bet that could be very very cool i like melodic as a pokemon a lot yeah i feel like nido king can't get a mega unless nido queen also get a mega right 
I also don't know how much room there is in that in that design, just because they are already such large, hulking, spiky, or at least Nidoking King is a spiky Pokemon. It seems like when there's a Mega Evolution, it gets larger and there's more spikes, or it gets uh, like Tyranitar just kind of bulks out, bulkier. Yeah, yeah, and sort of Nidoking King is already in that space. I feel like, but you know, I guess if if you could do it to Tyranitar, you could do it to anything. <laughs> Uh, Scott writes in uh, Scott H Hey SBJ and crew Here are the three Pokemon I'd like to see Receive Mega Evolutions uh, Poliwrath Simply because Poliwrath is my favorite Pokemon And it could boost It to make it more Competitively viable Maybe it could uh, Start going To Mega Swampert's gym <laughs> uh, Pangoro If they do a Z version I think We would definitely get A decent batch Of Gen 6 Megas Pangoro Pangoro yeah. is my favorite in the bunch, so I'd like to see him get a boost or maybe something that would prevent it from being destroyed, getting destroyed by fairies. <laughs> uh, is, is this only a Pangoro is dark only, right? Dark fighting. Dark fighting. Yeah, I don't know if um, I don't know where that would go. I feel like I'm not creative creative enough to think of like I can't imagine Pangoro would get like a a type changing just for Mega evolving. Yeah, I think its type is so um, integral to to how it works, just as a as a design. Um, so is Pangoro? I feel like Pangoro, if I remember correctly, was one of the Gen Six Pokemon that was marketed pretty pretty heavily, or at least it was one of the first announced. But I don't, other than this listener, other than Scott writing in, I don't know a lot of people who are really into Pancham. And yeah, I don't know. I've, I was going to ask you if. You've ever seen it used competitively? I can't even think of what its abilities are. If I remember correctly, it's a little too slow, and not, and the typing is pretty bad for a. Because if it, there are a lot of slow Pokemon that can be very good, but um, you sort of need a good typing to back that up. Um, sort of why Pokemon like Bear Tick don't get a lot of play. Uh, sort of why all <laughs> of the Bear Pokemon don't get no. Because uh, Ring is a good typing. Normal is a good type, but. Um, Having a sort of rough defensive typing like Pangoro does make it difficult to to work around its low speed, and I would guess that's the reason it's not used too much competitively because I don't think it is. Yeah. Uh, his last one was Dragonite. It would be nice if they did something to make the original Dragon Pokemon a little like a little less like Barney's cousin. You know, I sort of forgot there isn't already a Mega Dragonite. Uh, maybe they could even turn it blue and white to match its prior forms. Uh, that would be then, neat. This is funny, but what would its Mega Stone be? Dragon Knight Knight? <laughs> isn't there another? Isn't there another Pokemon whose Mega Stone is really difficult to say? I'm like trying to think. I'll figure it out. You All can right. keep reading. Well, that was the last one, but out. yeah, I, I th- that is actually cool. Oh, Dragonite kind of turned blue and white to kind of match everything else, or maybe even slim down. I always thought Dragonite was kind of like a really like chubby, awkwardly shaped Pokemon. Yeah, sort of sp- is supposed to be designed more after European dragons than the Eastern conception of of dragons, although a little happier than a typical European dragon too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, one more email here from Ch- from Chase. He uh, emailed in last week. So emailing again. Hey, SBJ, Will, and or Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm emailing again to answer the newest question about which Pokemon we'd like to make evolve. Thanks for reading my email last time. 
Um, I'm glad you only called me by my brother's name once, Ch uh, Chance. Uh, but don't sweat it because it happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, I will probably mess that up again. Don't worry about that. Anyways, besides the <laughs> obvious choice of Jirachi um, and Farfetch'd, I would like to see Smeargle, uh, Aurorus, and Gollum have Mega Evolutions. Hmm. I like yeah. Aurorus. Smeargle oh, would get good. a new ability that would allow it to have Stab for like all Gollum. its moves regarding, uh, regardless of type. Hmm. Uh, Aurorus would have or should have an ability called Prehistoric, which gives a boost to a to fossil Pokemon. That's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. And as far as Gollum, I just had to come up with a random third Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of goes on a little bit more. I feel like Gollum is like the forgotten rock Pokemon at this point. I like Gollum, though. I, I've used Gollum in a lot of my playthroughs of just the single player Pokemon campaign. <laughs> campaign? Is that the right word? Hmm. Um, I've never had him on a competitive team that I can think of, but Gollum's just sort of a nice... Gollum's rock solid, <laughs> I feel like... Uh, I've always... I feel like there needs to be like another to... stat rebalance in a newer game. Just for, for most Gen 1 and Gen 2 Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Well, that's such a strange generation because... Well, that... Because that was before... Um, Special attack and special defense were yeah. separate stats. And so all of those Pokemon were designed with one fewer stat in mind. So you get things like, um, oh, what's the example? Um, I don't know, but there's Pokemon. Oh, so Alakazam is a really good example of a Pokemon that now we consider to be a bit of a glass cannon, right? Because it has very high special attack, but not a lot of defenses. But at that time when special was just its own stat, it actually could take take in a lot of right. special hits. So it's weird. So you get a lot of Pokemon that are sort of statted strangely. Yeah. What was I can't even remember what our Pokemon of the week last week was, but it was like from Gen one to like Gen four, they like changed the stats by ten points and it was like Yeah. It was oh yeah. It was, it was like well, that's nice, but like that still doesn't help this Pokemon's cause. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Beedrill's stats are what's holding his back it back it back as much as it is as it is quadruple weakness to rock and weakness to ice and or no no no. No, because it's not bug flying, it's bug yeah. poison. But yeah. Still not a great taping. And not yeah. a great move pool either. Um <laughs> Yeah, so uh if you have anything uh you want to share with uh with Iwata or the history of Nintendo or Pokemon Serious an email, we'll, we'll read it for next week. But uh, thanks for our three listeners who wrote in. Um, and uh, the week before, we had like a dozen people write in, so thanks uh, thanks for that as well. Uh, moving on to our item of the week, we won't spend too much time on it, but uh, this week's item is the Trainer Size Meowstic Male Pokey Plush. I don't think we did this one. I don't think so either. Forty two ninety nine uh Trainer Size, meaning it's supposed to be Somewhat realistic in size here, um, with a triple cool tail and dark striped fur. Meowstic is among the most fashionable of Pokemon, as it evolved. It's as its evolved form of Esper, it is a fan favorite. It is uh, seventeen point five inches tall. 
features are very very much lacking. <laughs> what does it say on uh, features? New Pokemon from the X and Y generation <laughs> and large plush size. They are so hit or miss with these features. I know. Like, where is the person who wrote, wrote the Mega Slowbro? <laughs> yeah, Mega Slowbro um, description when you need them. Like, that was great. <laughs> I feel like a problem with this plush right off the bat is I can't imagine it standing up on its own. Oh, there's a lot of problems with this plush, namely the fact that when you take uh, a Pokemon that that has such striking eye colors and you try to translate that into a plush, you're just going to make a nightmare. Because <laughs> it, is, it is accurate to what the game has as an eye color for male Meowstic. It is that strange blue where the whites of the eye are and then... Green as the iris, but um, yeah, that's terrifying in real life. That's that should never happen. Yeah, well, it has raving reviews. It has four five star reviews. Uh, how about I take one and then you take one? They're just no, they're only giving it five stars because they're threatened <laughs> that if they rate anything different, the thing's gonna come to life and exact its revenge. Go ahead, read your own review. Uh, reviewer Yellow Lizard from Seattle, Washington, uh, titled "Why Did I Wait So Long to Buy This." I've been eyeing this little guy up for months. Finally, a co-worker convinced me just to buy him. After he arrived, I realized that I should never have waited. He's adorable. He's made from a very soft... uh, He's very soft and made from extra plushy plush fabric. And he's not even little. He tucks nicely under my arm and I carry him around at work with me. People think I'm strange, but I don't even care because he makes me happy. I would highly recommend him. He even makes a good pillow. And is an excellent cuddle friend during boring meetings. If I take him home, I will have to share him with my children. So he will stay at work where I can pretend to be a kid myself. If you are a Meowstic fan, this is a must-have for your collection, regardless of your age. I mean... Where is he working? What is happening? (laughs) I just... the The last bit is confusing to me, too. Like... We we know that everyone who's buying this save for Togepi Lover is like old and shouldn't like you don't have to bring attention to the fact that we are grown humans buying plushies. We already know that that's what's going on. <laughs> don't have to draw attention to that fact. Pokemon Center probably knows that the majority of people checking the website over and over probably over the age of 20. Yeah. Except for uh, Togepi Lover. I would. I doubt that. Uh, and for new listeners, we have a very, very favorite reviewer of items on on uh, PokemonCenter.com, who uh, whose prose we absolutely adore. Who seems to be a child who's reviewing all of these uh, plushies. Not not this one, unfortunately, but a lot of a lot of plushies, and we really love to see when Togepi Lover has something to say. <laughs> That's all you for the next review right. here. Oh boy, it doesn't take a, a full sentence for this person to get into the ableist language, so look out for that. Um, so five out of five Pokeballs uh, titled Supersized Psychic Kitty Meowstic Rules. Uh, reviewer Team Flare Flareon, the Furious Flaming Feline, who I think we've they have heard a review from before. before. Yes. Uh, from Team Flare HQ. Being a major cat lover and feline, <laughs> being a major cat lover and feline <laughs> enthusiast, I'm absolutely crazy for Meowstic. Its male form is my favorite. I imported both the male and female when these plushies were released in Japan. 
The giant male meowstic plush looks very sophisticated, classy, intelligent, with his fancy fluffy white neck white neck ruff that resembles a scarf, lovely voluminous blue and white tails, and adorably stoical stoic is already an adjective. Uh, adorably <laughs> stoical facial expressions. The quality of this plush is astounding. He is very well constructed, 100% accurate to the design of the actual Pokemon. And by that, they don't mean the Pokemon in the video game. They mean the actual Pokemon who runs around (laughs) in real life that you just happen to have never seen because it controls your mind with its terrifying eyes. Stuffed into per... uh, Sorry, stuffed to perfection. And huge! That's all caps. He is a super, also all caps, (laughs) soft and squishy like a pillow and absolutely perfect you gotta really milk that joke for cuddling (laughs) he has a cute plump tummy and a graceful shape the high quality fabric is minky I guess what does minky mean I guess referring to the animal mink like they're they're comparing the fabric to the fur of a mink yeah. And sublimely soft to the touch. His facial features are embroidered expertly. I highly recommend this very special, large, and cuddly meowstic plushie to serious meowstic fans and cat lovers of all ages. Why do people keep reminding me that I'm too old to have these things? Why do all of these reviewers feel feel it's necessary to remind me that I'm too old to buy this and just have to bring it up? <sighs> if if, if. Pokemon Center needs a new bullet point guy. I feel like Team Flare and Flare has a lot to say. Yeah, they, they they have interesting pros. I would read more. I would read bullets from Team Flare Flare on the Furious Flaming Feline from Team Flare HQ. <laughs> a lot, a lot to say here. I uh I need to place an order on PokemonCenter.com, but I'm always I'm always indecisive of what I want. I'm always flabbergasted by how few reviews there are on this website. Yeah. Four. I'm actually surprised on how many, how like, how well they get a lot of new merchandise. Yeah. I feel like, like once a week they add something new. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Let's move on to our Pokemon of the week. I could not figure out or pinpoint uh, Iwata's favorite Pokemon, but uh, from looking at a bunch of forums, a lot of people said it was between Pikachu or Jigglypuff, and that had to do with Smash Brothers. So I don't know if that was a bunch of hearsay or if that's just blatantly wrong, but uh, Iwata did work on Smash Brothers, and Jigglypuff was one of the two Pokemon. There was just Jigglypuff and Pikachu on the first Smash Brothers, right? Um, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, yeah because there was no Mewtwo, or not? Me- yeah, Mewtwo uh, was melee. Yeah. Um. So, uh, thought that Jigglypuff would be an adequate choice for this week. Uh, I'll read a little bit about um about Jigglypuff and uh, Travis has a move set for actually Wigglytuff to give you guys something a little bit competitive. Mm-hmm. To take home with you guys today. Haha, uh-huh, competitive. Get it? Because that's the ability that Wigglytuff has. I'll be here until the end of the show. <laughs> uh, Jigglypuff is a round pink ball, uh, pink ball with pointed 
ears and large blue eyes. It has a rubbery balloon-like skin and small stubby arms and somewhat long feet. On the top of its head, it has a curled tuft of fur. As seen in Pokemon Stadium, it's filled with air, and as it's defeated, Jigglypuff will deflate until it's flat. Drawing extra air into its body, it's able to float <laughs> as demonstrated in Super Smash Brothers. Jigglypuff uses eyes to memorize opponents. A little giant lawnmower behind me. Once it achieves this, it will inhale its lungs and begin to sing a soothing lullaby. If the opponent is if the opponent resists falling asleep, Jigglypuff will endanger its own life by continuing to sing until its lungs run out of air. It is able to adjust its wavelength of its voice to match its to match the brain waves of someone in deep sleep. This helps ensure drowsiness in its opponents. Jigglypuff can be found in lush green plains and grassy meadows. And then there's the whole thing about it being really, really tricky in the anime. <laughs> Drawing on faces and all that nonsense. Yes. Uh, Jigglypuff and its evolutionary relatives share the same category name as Quillfish and Drifloon. They are all known as the Balloon Pokemon. Hmm. And uh, Jigglypuff, very popular with young girls, I would say. Yeah, because it's adorable. It is. Jigglypuff is probably like one of the few Pokemon. So going back to how like Pokemon like kind of took over the world, mm-hmm. Jigglypuff was one of the few staples that was like, like I remember, I believe Jigglypuff was one of like the six golden Burger King tokens. I think you're correct, yeah. Have I told my story about that, that someone, that my best friend in elementary school tried to convince me that those were made of actual gold? <laughs> no. Yeah. He was like, they can't lie to you. They said it's gold. Well, I mean, gold is also a color, but I mean, yeah, he was convinced that that was actual gold and that he was going to sell it and become like a millionaire <laughs> as if one little tiny piece of gold if even if it were that would be worth that much i remember my dad was trying to find all six for me and we were like Mm. driving around to different burger kings in the milwaukee area and a lot like you'd go through the drive-thru and my dad would ask if they had them and they would like they would only have like only pikachu or only yeah charizard and so because i think they the way it, it or maybe it was different for that but i know for a lot of the newer stuff if like if it has like six different toys you just have to come up come that uh, the next day or the next week well, or yeah whatever. yeah um and we finally like it was at like one point it was like 1 a.m and we were at a burger king in like one of the worst neighborhoods in milwaukee <laughs> and my dad went through the drive-thru and was like do you have the the golden pokemon things and the guy was like yeah we have all of them and my and there he was like huh. i'll just sell them to you without food too <laughs> Oh, uh, so wow. I think my I'm pretty sure my dad bought two of each, and man, I was the happiest kid in the world because <laughs> I only had all of them. Uh and now they're like in a garage somewhere. They're like not worth anything. Yeah. Uh fads. Um, do you have a move set for Wigglytuff? Yeah, I have a couple options actually. Um, Wigglytuff stats are nothing. To write home about. Uh, the 140 HP is great. Um, 
and the special attack of 85 isn't bad. Um, but and, and its typing is pretty good, very normal. However, um, and the move pool is good, but it's just the stats aren't too good other than that 140 attack or 140 HP. So because of that, we sort of have two options. We can look at it as a bit of a sort of a bit of a tankier Pokemon. Um, in both of these sets, I would recommend Stealth Rock just because Stealth Rock is such a powerful move uh, in in singles. Um, and Wigglytuff has access to it, which is great. So if we went with this uh, offensive sort of tankier build, uh, we would be going with offensive moves in addition to the Stealth Rock. So things like um, Dazzling Gleam and Focus Blast. Uh, and then for, for a normal stab move, you do something like Hyper Voice. Alternatively, you can um, you can use Wigglytuff as a bit as sort of a support Pokemon with a little more utility. So I would still recommend Stealth Rock, and then you could use uh, the other three moves. Could be um, some com- some combination of Reflect and Light Screen, or maybe even Safeguard. I wouldn't recommend having all the moves be non-damaging. So maybe an example move set could be of this more uh, defensive utility. Variety, you do something like uh, Stealth Rock, uh, Light Screen, Safeguard, Dazzling Gleam. Um, Wigglytuff's ability, Competitive, uh, is a new ability to Gen 6, and it's quite good. Um, It has an effect where if its stats were to be lowered by an enemy, then its special attack gets raised two stages. That's why you want to make sure, even if you're playing this more defensive set, that you at least have something that can take advantage of that. And you might think initially, well, that's not going to happen very often. No one plays stuff like... Uh, Growl. Yeah, no one plays Growl or Screech in competitive play. But what people do use is uh, Intimidate uh, or Sticky Web or Defog. Um, intimidate... Intimidate is good because it has the effect of something like a growl, but you don't have to waste a turn using it. So Intimidate is a very strong ability that people use a lot. Defog people use, as we talked about last week with Mega Beedrill, uh, Defog people use to to get rid of entry hazards. However, uh, its primary effect is actually lowering the evasion of an enemy. That's what Defog used to do before it was buffed in Gen 6. And then Sticky Web lowers uh, a Pokemon's speed when they enter in. Uh, and so competitive makes it so anytime anything like that happens, uh, Wigglytuff's special attack is going to raise by two stages. Um, and that's quite a big boost, uh, very similar to the ability Defiant that things like Bisharp have, um, except for special attack this time. Um, if you're going with the... Uh, the more offensive set with things like uh, Focus Blast and Hyper Voice and Dazzling Gleam, um, you're going to want uh, to max out the EVs in, um, I would do Special Attack and HP, um, because you're not going to outspeed a lot with a speed of 45, so you can just invest in uh, the HP and, and Special Attack. Um, that way you can switch in on when you expect something like uh, a Defog, um, gets the gets the benefit, um, and even if you're wrong and they don't use a defog and they use a damaging move, you can at least survive it and probably survive another to get an attack off. 
if you're going with the defensive, um, I would max out HP um, and then split between either split between the two defenses, but I'm not too um, fond of that. I, I tend to make teams with uh, one Pokemon that has very strong physical defense and one Pokemon that has very strong special defense. So if you had another po- another defensive Pokemon, um, you could sort of leverage it that way because Wigglytuff can go either way with its defenses being very similar, the physical defense being 45 and special defense being 50. And then I don't remember which natures are which. You would want modest for the offensive one, but I can never remember what the defensive <laughs> natures are. So uh, probably the one that increases the the defense that you're focusing on and then decreases physical attack. Yeah. And that's Wigglytuff. Is is 45 a real low speed set that would work in like a trick room? Yeah, you could you could do that. That's a good idea too. Uh, it is certainly low. <laughs> um, I've never seen Trick Room teams be super successful in singles. They'll they'll win uh, with like a surprise factor or something like that. Um, but a lot of the times they'll just run into um, huge issues um, with sort of things that end up being a lot of teams. So moves like taunt and things. But uh, but yeah, if you were building a trick room team, uh, maybe even for doubles, Wigglytuff would be uh, an interesting choice, for sure. I mean, fairy type is great. Fairy type is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think that is our show for you guys today. We uh, doing a lot of things this week. So, like I said earlier, the fifth anniversary video, or sorry, Twitch stream, stream <laughs> is on Saturday. July 25th. Uh, we're also doing a um, VGC tournament. No, Did you know about this, Travis? I did, the Slack tournament. Yeah. Uh, so it's called the Slack King Cup. Uh, it is being hosted in our Slack community. Uh, so it does require you to have Slack access, which would require you to back our Patreon. Um, so if you haven't heard, our Patreon is just to support the show monthly so we can do more stuff like the Slack King tournament. So uh, if you want to support the Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash it's super effective. And uh, donating $1 a month would get you in. And if you would want to compete in the Slack King Cup, uh, you can do so uh, once you're in the Slack uh, community, which is really great. I think we have like 60 or some people there. Um, the end registration will be that Saturday. Uh, so we will be promoting it throughout the Twitch live stream, but that will be the last day to sign up. So if you haven't signed up yet, please do uh there will be prizes for the winner and if you lose like the first round you will be moved into a different bracket the quote-unquote loser bracket but you uh get a chance to still compete and play so big thanks to jeff feedy who uh not only did all the art but he's actually kind of running the whole thing so like i said there will be prizes and everything and uh yeah uh, so patreon.com slash it's super effective and you can support the show and participate uh i believe it is normal uh competitive vgc rules so double battles same pokemon that you would use if you were to go to nationals or world um yeah uh travis where can they find you keeping it simple today twitter.com slash the travis w awesome you can uh follow me on twitter is at dragging a lake if you are playing rocket league and want to play with me that would be great i'm also still playing destiny um noticed two listeners last week added me for destiny so haven't played with them yet but Always willing. 
otherwise, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PKMNCast. We have a event page up for the Twitch stream if you want to say you're attending or share that with somebody. Um, I'm sure Micah and I would both appreciate it. It would be very sad if we did 14 hours and only like six people were watching. <laughs> uh, other than that... Um, uh, please review us on iTunes if you haven't. We are at like 455 reviews, 45 more reviews before the end of the year to get us to 500. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's it for our show today. Um, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super effective. Baby, look at me.